so not that like you aren't adorable right now. <laughs> I feel this is like one of our homeliest podcast recordings. Homeliest? Yeah. Like we look homely? I think we look a little well, your homely. Your hair's a little. I did not do my and hair I today. It looks like, like a, a fucking whole clown. Thing going on. And it's like your hair was nicer earlier, but it's like up in the thing, like in a headband. Well, it's I couldn't cold. wear it down because you said that it looked like I was something else. You're in a you're in a giant sweater of mine. It's just it's a homely recording. <laughs> I do try to dress up for our recordings, though. Right? Normally, I feel we could do it live. Today, I don't think we could do it live. <laughs> Thank God we have nice genitals. <laughs> Sunday, Monday, happy gays. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy gays. Thursday, Friday, happy gays. They're best chums. Let's have some fun. Ready to chat with you. These gays of ours. Happy gays. Hello! Welcome to the podcast. I'm Ashley Fair. And I'm Jared Haglin. And we are Gay Gay Best Friends! Friends. That was a good one. That was really good. (laughs) Considering I led it, I'm like, I'm very impressed. (laughs) So how was your week? My week was good. Last night, Zach and I went to sketchy drag queen bingo in like an industrial part of Surrey. Um, there's probably about 15 people. It was for Surrey Pride fundraiser. Mm. Um, ended up being four games of bingo. I won two of them. Zach won one. We were cleaning up. And on the fourth game, I was getting close. And he was getting so stressed out about what would happen if I won again. And, like, I was, like, I was getting nervous just because I was excited to win. And he's, like, you know, calm down. Hopefully you don't. And I'm, like, what do you mean hopefully I don't? <laughs> I will take on these people in this bar if they get mad at me. This is how we're paying our bills, honey. Right? (laughs) I bought him dinner. (laughs) Well, this is, so I was doing well. Clearly, I want more money than him. And he's like, will you pay for, like, buy me dinner afterwards? And I'm like, sure. And then they were selling these, like, Surrey Pride anniversary pins. Mm. And he's like, and so I heard the price $20. And so he's like, will you buy me one with your winnings? And I'm like, you can choose that or dinner. No, you and didn't. I did. And he gave me a look. The person selling them gave me a look. I only found out today that they were actually $2. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just the biggest asshole. Like, I can't imagine what that person thought of me. It was like, no, you get dinner or you get a $2 pin. You do not get both. <laughs> what did he choose? Oh, he chose dinner. That's a better deal. <laughs> So he didn't get a $2 pin. And then afterwards, like, they were selling them again, and he asked me if I wanted to buy myself one. And I gave, like, a crazy look, because I'm like, no, I'm not buying a $20 pin. And I said it with that kind of hatred, and was once again saying no to a $2 pin. Oh, no. You better call them up and order 10. Right? (laughs) Yeah, there's one person who's involved with Story Pride who thinks I am a cheap fucking bastard. (laughs) Like, oh, that Zach guy really needs to get rid of that husband of his. Why is such a tyrant? <laughs> oh. oh, no. <laughs> How about you? How was uh, your week or weekend? What did oh, you do? Oh, it was so good. The week has flown by, but on Friday night, Jarek and I had a night of face masks and dyeing my hair a cool color and chips and watching a show about mermaids. And basically what I learned was that a lesbian relationship really is a lifetime of summer parties. <laughs> Just without the, like, prank calling boys. <laughs> True. Or if you do it, there's a different edge to it. Yeah. You're, like, you're just being mean. <laughs> Point. I think that is nice. 
that like it's like a constant slumber party. I, I think that's like one of the main benefits of like dating or marrying someone of your gender mm-hmm. is that you get to enjoy those generally sometimes like gendered things. Yeah. No, it's really nice. Jerica had on these like cute um, hand masks because her hands really dry from working with drywall all day. Oh. Um, so she's like, oh, I need to like do something with this. So we got her hand masks and it was just, it was a really nice night, um, which was also great because our day was a bit tough. Um, Captain has been really sick. Oh, I meant to ask earlier, how is he doing? He's doing so much better. The last, okay, so we record on Sundays. So Felicity knows the timeline. Um, so on Friday was when he first, or yeah, Friday. Friday he first got sick. Um, right, yes, that's right. So Friday he first got sick. Um, out of nowhere, he didn't eat all day. Um, he barely drank any water. I had to like force water into him. Took him to the vet, and the vet gave us some antibiotics and um, some other things to help with his nausea and. Uh, and so we go home, he still wouldn't eat the next day. He wouldn't eat, um, drank some water, but not a lot. It's just been, it was been a really stressful day, a couple days. And, you know, you Google the symptoms and they tell you the absolute worst Never thing. Never Google symptoms. No, it's the worst thing. And like, like I had, I said to Jerrica and I had to tell myself later when I had to give Captain a pill and I started crying and oh. I was, I know it was, it was, oh, I feel so sad and I had to remind myself. If he was dying, the vet would have said something. Yeah. Like, he would... They're very smart, very educated. They could... They would see the signs and be like, we're not going to put your dog on antibiotics because... We think this is more serious. We need to have a different conversation. Yeah. So, but it's... But that wasn't the case. So, we had to remind ourselves that. And and sure enough, today, he's doing a lot better. It's basically a dog flu. Uh, And he said that's been going around. Fascinating. Yeah. And so, that was kind of... You know, it's when you look, when you consider animal illnesses uh, in comparison to human illnesses, it's a lot easier to understand. Like, mm-hmm. okay, when I have the flu, yeah, I have to force myself to drink water for two days, and I have logic, so I know. Okay, I know I need to hydrate. And dogs don't necessarily have logic, so they don't know they need to drink water. They'll just Um, stand there and poop themselves. Yes, which is what he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it was rough. So it was really, it was nice having that evening where we were just sitting with him and taking care of ourselves and making ourselves feel nice. Those moments are just so good. Like, relationships always have, like, their ups and downs. You live with someone, there are times or moments. I always love those nights or those days where you just hang out. Mm-hmm. All day or all night. And you're just like, well, this is why we're together. Because, like, this is just, like, one of the best times of our lives. And I think there's a lot to be said about those small moments. Like, you know, the small... Just they're, they're such a small part of your relationship. Mm-hmm. And they seem so minor in comparison to, like, extravagant trips or, like, big jewelry or lots of flowers or whatever. Um, and I think people... I think it's important to to talk more about those small moments, because those are real moments, and those the, those you like you said those are the moments where you're like this is what's nice in this relationship. Um, it's these moments where we can spend together and be so happy about doing a cool face mask. Yeah, there are many people I can spend a lot of money with and go on trips and do those sorts of things mm-hmm. and enjoy myself. There's very few people I can have four hours on the couch with and have a great time. Oh, absolutely. Such a nice segue into Valentine's coming up this week. 
We're getting good at this. It was natural. <laughs> until I drew attention to it, but it was natural. So, Jarrett. Uh, so I think a lot about Valentine's Day. Um, it's I think it's kind of a fun... It's totally a... Um, frivolous holiday it's frivolous but i like it it's it's cute like i hate those people who go around being like you know i valentine's day is just a hallmark holiday trying to get you to spend money like you should be able to love someone and do nice things every day of the year it's Mm -hmm. like well yeah of course you can but why not take an enjoyment of one day when you know it's a little a little different a little special and kind of remind you to do it and just have some fun with it there's more chocolates around yeah don't be a valentine fucking scrooge I agree. That's my general sentiment to those people. Do you ever feel any pressure to one-up yourself for Valentine's Day? I don't know if I feel pressure to, like, one-up myself, but I do feel pressure, like, I guess so maybe it's the same thing, of, like, something new, of, like, mm. a new angle, a new thought that makes it special. Yeah. Like, Zach and I, we always, we take turns. Okay. So that every second year, you don't have to think about a goddamn thing, mm-hmm. and a nice thing is done for you. And that's everything, you know, from, like, a nice meal cooked at home, taking him out somewhere, doing an activity. Or last time I took him to Bellingham, which anyone from the Pacific Northwest knows is the romantic destination (laughs) of Washington State. (laughs) So it doesn't even have to be that fancy. But I I really like thinking of those things. But Mm -hmm. I, I do feel... I don't know pressure, but, like, a challenge to myself to, like, make it unique. Yeah. Um, Well, and... How has it been for you in the past? Like, even prior to Zach, um, or even, I'm thinking about, like, elementary school when, you know, early day crushes, how, like, was it, did you give people little gifts? Did you receive special gifts? Did you ever care? So, like, elementary school, Valentine's Day, you'd always give, like, everyone a Valentine, mm-hmm. and you'd pick your box of Valentines, and then fill them out, and right. hand them around. I enjoyed that a lot. Mm-hmm. In high school, it was a little more stressful, because there was, I don't know if your school did it, but we had, like, the heart grams, or candy grams, or oh, something, yeah. where you could buy them for people and get them sent to the class. I forgot about and that. I found that a very stressful thing. Mm-hmm. Just, like, when they come in, who's gonna get one, um, who's not. I didn't like that. I don't like high school Valentines. Did you... Find it stressful to give them to people or to receive them slash not receive them? Oh, receiving slash not receiving. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, <laughs> I was already kind of used to not receiving things, even Aww. though, I know it sounds so sad, um, even though in elementary school, okay, so we did the whole, whole class thing, but by about grade five, there was still the whole class thing, but people would still get special gifts for, oh no, the grade four, sorry. By about grade four, we would still do the whole class Valentine thing, but some people would still get special gifts for other people. And there was one girl in my class who would always receive, like, so many little gifts, and I never received anything special. And I don't think I ever did. Like, I'm pretty sure even in high school when I dated, I probably broke up with them before Valentine's Day. I did the breaking up. (laughs) Just need to note that. Hey, that's um, why you do the breaking up, so that you're able to note it. <laughs> um, but, uh, so I don't think I even had many, like, Valentines with people. So, but I'm an Aries, and so I still want to feel really special. And so it still, like, kind of cut me, but I, because I'm also because I'm an Aries, I'm stubborn, and I'm like, this is my choice. <laughs> 
<laughs> great contradiction. It's terrible. We're so bad. And I feel like that somehow is followed into adulthood. Not like, not like I don't, in- like, I just feel like I'm now cool and like, I don't care about Valentine's Day, but I still like getting chocolates. Right. It's one of those things where you, even if you don't expect anything, there is kind of a part of you that's like sort of expecting things. And mm-hmm. if nothing happens, disappointing. That's why we put it on the table. We take turns. Expectations are laid out. So there's no, oh, I didn't think we did anything or. I love you know. that. So when did you guys decide that from the beginning or or in the beginning days? Were you more of the doer or the getter? I, it started one year when he surprised me. And I think he may have said at the end of the night, next year's your turn. Okay. And then we've just made it turns. I love it. Yeah. That's brilliant. I think everyone should do that. That's the way to do it. A relationship is a two-way street. It's not like one person deserves that extra love or yeah, attention. It's joint. Exactly. You get the, you get your birthday for those exactly. one-sided things. Yeah. I don't know. People put a lot of pressure on Valentine's Day and wearing the right lingerie or whatever your equivalent is. Um, none at all, maybe. Is <laughs> <laughs> um, jock straps and cock rings? Maybe like the... But Valentine's sex is like a big thing. Personally, I don't know if you had more to say. Personally, I am not a fan of any like holiday special occasion pressured sex. Mm-hmm. I think it's a weird construct that just like ruins... What is naturally usually good about good sexual encounters when it's forced? When it's forced emotion? Well, yeah, when it's forced or it feels <laughs> like pressure or you yeah. need to do it. Mm-hmm. I always think that's a recipe for disaster. I, at risk of having people hate on us because I know he is a oddly controversial figure in the queer community, Dan Savage, I think, says it's best. That in like Valentine's Day, for example, people all expect at the end of the night to have this Great night of sex after you've been given a bunch of chocolates, taken out to dinner, mm-hmm. done all this. And his advice is fuck first. Yes. And I stand by that. And I feel it's better advice if you are going to do it and feel that pressure on a holiday like that. Yeah. Uh, but still, in general, I just think that expectation is is weird. Yeah. Well, speaking like of... Like wedding nights. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say, that reminds me of another time when you expect certain things. Um, and... Uh, I'm in a bunch of wedding groups where women... Wedding sex groups? <laughs> no, just... I, I wonder if that exists. I should look it up. <laughs> I would love to read a bunch of engaged straight women talk <laughs> in a wedding sex group. Uh, but they do ask a lot of questions about this topic in these other wedding groups. Oh, good. I get to hear. Yeah. So a lot of them, um, the ones who aren't staying virgins until their wedding day. Do those people still exist? They do exist. They're in those groups. Yep. And people like openly say that that's what they're doing? Yes. Is there a barrage of hate upon them? Or not hate? I will not be judgy. I'll... What's a better word? Is there a barrage of... Judgment? (laughs) I don't know if that's better. Um, Fair and decent warnings that that is a horrible, stupid idea, unless you actually think you're going to hell because of it. There are a number of people who do comment saying, like, know what you're getting into, and... 
Okay. That sort of thing. But overall, the groups I'm in are like, I when I first found out about wedding groups on Facebook, I joined a lot of them and then have left a bunch of them because some are kind of just so mean. Mm. Um, there's even one right now that I'm thinking of leaving, but I just added Jerrica to it. So I feel bad leaving her alone in there. So. <laughs> but. Um, you can pull her out. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Come with me. She's stuck in this room alone <laughs> with all these mean people. But. Uh, in and this is actually the one of the groups where it comes up a lot. A lot of women ask about who is staying celibate until the wedding day. Um, so they have cut off sex, or they and their partner have chosen to stop having sex until wed- the wedding day or the wedding night. And first of all, that sounds horrible to me because, like, you're gonna like, want to bang. What are the lengths and of time these people some are doing of them this? are living together. Um, most seem to start around six months to the wedding day. Oh, wow. Right? That seems like a long time. And, like, I've done the celibacy for a while thing, and you get used to it. <laughs> but... <laughs> was yours chosen or forced? Chosen. Okay. Chosen. Okay. I, I went a year without sex, and it was great. Yeah. Because I had a lot of sex before that. <laughs> <laughs> and just so the listeners know, when Ashley just said it was great, she also then just kind of looked up in a thinking pose of like, was it? <laughs> anyway, what I wanted to say, though, was the one thing that I haven't quite built up the courage to suggest to these women, though, is edging. If you're going to be celibate till the wedding night and you want the wedding night to be amazing then fucking bring yourself to the edge of your orgasm and don't let yourself orgasm. And then on your wedding night, fucking let loose. However, I would worry about the stress levels. Um, (laughs) And as far as I know, no one in my family listens to this podcast, so I feel comfortable like talking about this. But I had a partner once who, in our relationship, it was kind of a dom situation. And I was told to to edge for it was a month and i was the grumpiest person ever i was livid at everything i was so on edge haha <laughs> yeah it was awful it was so bad um okay first of all do i know this person yes can you mouth the name to me okay <laughs> um but what came after was great so like it's it's worth it but only if you can keep your your stress in check. I think that's like a smart sexual way to build up to that night. Yeah. I mean, you're going to you're not you're probably not going to have sex on your wedding night. Every, and everyone comments in these groups like cuz people comment about they ask what lingerie or what are they going to do or like how are they going to prep? How are they going to get out of their shapewear into their sexy lingerie? Um questions like that and everyone's just like I'm saving that for the honeymoon. I'm going to be too excited on the wedding or too too exhausted on the wedding night to exactly. wear it. Exactly. It goes back to those nights when you're expected to have sex and it yeah. just it just doesn't I don't think it works that way. You're no. you've been on your feet all day. It's been stressful. You're probably a little drunk, maybe mm-hmm. full, you're tired. That's a like you're you emotionally shot even from that day. Yeah. I think, though, that image of just, like, falling asleep in your clothes, in bed, with a half-eaten cheeseburger beside yourself, and if that's how a couple ends their wedding night, I think that is just so sweet. That brings just, me more joy than right? orgasm. That's more what a relationship <laughs> is. Good luck, everyone. What's love got to do? got to do with it. What's love got to do? 
Jarrett, it's time for our segment, What You Watching? Slash listening. Slash reading. Slash putting in, yeah. Are you, uh, you watching anything right now? This week, it's nothing that I'm watching. Oh, okay. It's a combo of what I've been reading this week and what I've been listening to this week. Tell me more. And you know this, because I've been telling you, because I've been telling a lot of people, um... Ozzy Osbourne's in the hospital. Right. And he's really sick. Yes. So what you may not know is about eight years ago, I put a Google News alert for Ozzy Osbourne, expecting that one day Ozzy Osbourne is going to die. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I could deal with anyone telling me. I did know that's about you. Okay. And like, I don't want Zach to be the person who had to tell me Ozzy Osbourne dies. Because I'll never be able to look at him the same. No. In receiving that text message or whatever, like... Okay, I just got slightly offended because I'm like, he'd call. <laughs> Not from Zach. He from would like, call. From like Lindsay or like, I might messenger you. True. And then, and I couldn't Now I know that. I would actually call you. So I've been dealing with a week of, yeah, now, you, now you'll know. Or just let me get the Google alert. I've been dealing with a week of these Google alerts coming in, telling me about his condition. I've been reading every article. At first, he had a respiratory illness. He was at home. We knew it. He'll get over it. Then he got taken to the hospital for fears of pneumonia. A little more stressful. Mm-hmm. This is unusual. Then intensive care. He was put in intensive care because doctors think he got pneumonia. Very stressful. I'm happy to report that today, whatever is coming out in articles and from unknown sources seems to be that he's on the mend. He's getting a little better. He's out of ICU. Oh, good. So I'm breathing a little easier. But this week, I was prepared for Ozzy to die. Mm-hmm. So as a consequence of that, I have been deep in his catalog of music. I have gone from Black Sabbath to his new stuff, and it's just warmed my heart. Without context, listeners may wonder why the fuck I'm caring about this, but Ozzy Osbourne is by far my favorite singer. Oh, you are clearly a big fan. My Yeah, it is insane how much I love him. He is a part of my soul and the soundtrack to my life. And I know this moment will come one day, but his death, I fear a lot. And listening through his catalog this week and having conversations with people where I bring up quite seriously that Ozzy's ill and I think he might die, it made me realize how a lot of people don't take him very seriously Mm -hmm. and think of him as a bit of a joke, I'm sure, especially from the Osbournes and things. And just to any of those people, I say go listen to Black Sabbath from the beginning, to Ozzy's early career. He is so good. His music is top-notch. He invented heavy metal with Black Sabbath. His voice is so unique and haunting slash moving. I I think people need to give him the respect he deserves. Oh, and and not not to rush his death or anything, but when he dies... That will be the main thing that everyone... Will it? Or will Absolutely. it be the bumbly stone dad from the no. Osbournes? I don't know. I'm I have, not, I'm I, have no, I have no doubt that people will... We will see a lot of posts about his, um, his role as a metal... God. Yeah. F- father. Godfather. Um, God, yeah, metal godfather. Um, interestingly enough to me, though, I... I always, I don't know, I like divorce him from Black Sabbath somehow. And whenever you mention Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath divorced him from that as well. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh yeah, fucking Black Sabbath. And I think when you bring 
up Black Sabbath, everyone feels a little, they feel more serious it's about him. It's weightier than his yeah. solo career. Whereas, yeah, like, the Osbournes and he's a, he's a funny old guy who has had way too many drugs in his life and it has. Which is also part of his charm. Yeah. But when you like, when you watch him on the Osbournes or any other interviews, he is, he reminds you of anyone's dad, you know? Yes. Yeah. And for those who are those people I'm talking about who just think he's sort of a joke or that maybe he's not as talented as as they really should think that he is, here's just a little bit of a song just to hear like some of his golden age glory. How about you? What have you been watching slash listening slash reading slash putting in yuck? <laughs> uh, I've been watching Good Trouble, which is a spinoff of The Fosters. Um, what? Oh, I did not yeah. know there was a spinoff. Oh, I forgot. Have you, You've watched The Fosters. No, oh. but I've heard you talk about it a lot. Big fan. I'm yeah, a huge fan. Yeah, I know fan. you are. Um, so those who don't know, The Fosters and Good Trouble are TV shows on ABC Spark, which is like this family channel, but it's like... It's very queer. They have a lot of queer content, which is part of why I watch all of it. So The Fosters is about a family uh, made up of lesbian moms who have a very mixed family. One kid from one of the moms, like, first marriage. It was a hetero marriage. Um, One, uh, two kids that they adopted. And then two kids that they started fostering um, and that they eventually adopted. So then Good Trouble is a spinoff of that show of the two daughters, um, Mariana and Callie, who moved to L.A. to pursue, like, now they're adults. They're, like, 25. One of them is a, what's it called when you're, like, a coding engineer? Like A coding engineer? <laughs> I don't know what the term is. Pro- yeah, programming. And, like, she uses the term engineer in her, like, what she can do. Smart um, person, computer <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. And the other one is a, um, she's an articling, no, she's now like a lawyer. Anyway, she's she's working with a conservative judge. The reason I would recommend Good Trouble is because it covers so many different scenarios. It covers the Black Lives Matter movement. It covers um, being, like, it's, the show is almost entirely people of color. Um... I think the uh, the only notable white person is Callie. Hmm. Um, everyone else is, you know, just there. But it's almost entirely uh, black women, um, Latino people, um, an incredible Chinese woman. Like, it's just, it's a very diverse cast. And they are all dealing with their own unique challenges. And what I like about Good Trouble is... That it doesn't focus on just Callie and Mariana. It focuses on everyone who lives in their building um, and the issues that they're facing. So the building manager is this Chinese um, lesbian woman who is in love with her best friend, who's about to get married to another woman. And it's all very complicated. But she's also a person who, as a building manager, like she has a hard time putting down her foot. She's struggling with how to... um, 
She's struggling with how to be assertive. And you're seeing that in this relationship with her best friend, where this best friend's asked her to be her maid of honor, but she's like also in love with her. Oh. Yeah. And in this building she manages with about, I think there's like 10 lofts in this building that she manages. She's like slowly learning how to be assertive with her building mates. And then you're going to see how that affects her relationship, which I think is something really important for young queer people to see. Because I, I see it a lot. I have been a person like that um, in my my baby gay days. So I think it's just, it's good. It's good TV. It sounds like a very, like, fully formed premise for a spinoff. I think spinoffs a lot of times are very, like, a shallow premise, mm-hmm. very small in their world. And I think that holds a lot of them back. So this mm-hmm. sounds really good. So, um... I know one of your favorite things is when I throw a question at you and try and give you hints to find out, figure out what it is. Ah! What is the most successful TV spinoff of all time? Cheers. Cheers. No, Becker. Is that the spinoff or is okay. this different? Becker's different. I will say you are shockingly close <laughs> and I did not think you would get anywhere near it. Frasier. Yes! Yes! I had no... Oh my god, I Ashley. Was, like, you, I think, just redeemed community. yourself from the Whoopi Goldberg incident. Yes. <laughs> I'm so impressed. I've been studying. I am so impressed. I love Frasier. Really? Yes. I didn't know that about Oh, you. big fan. So, something that, like, speaking of, like, what you watch in, this isn't relevant to what we're watching right now, but My Best Friend's Wedding just had its, what was it, 20th anniversary? I think so, yeah. Which is really exciting, and I just, I... Very exciting. Everyone's all about us. (laughs) I just want to fawn over how beautiful everyone is. Well, because they released a picture of, like, all of them now in sort of the same kind of pose, I believe, as the original cover. I think so. And, yeah, everyone looks really good still. Yeah. Except for Rupert Grant. (laughs) I feel he, uh, I don't feel he's aged as, he hasn't aged as good as Julia. Oh, no. Julia has. Who has? No one compares. She might, she might not be human. Very, I think it's a valid point. But, like, Cameron Diaz also. Oh, yeah. But I have to say, everyone, I believe, everyone looks better out of their 20s. Yeah? And, like, I'm not there yet. I don't know. Like, I'm still in my 20s. So I was like... fucking boastful. <laughs> I don't know yet. I'm still in my 20s. No, Good but... for you. <laughs> but for real, I think that everyone, you Less grow... than two months, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait. I think everyone grows into their personality, which I think makes them more sexy and just more beautiful. Oh, you were just too good of a person. <laughs> Except for Rupert Grant. <laughs> I bet he looked amazing in his 20s and just downhill since. <laughs> when you, so when I first sent you the article about my best friend's wedding, uh, and you had said that, I was like, no way, everyone on the cover looks so much better because you were arguing that people just do it for the money. And I was like, no way. All of them look amazing. They're all successful. And you mentioned. Did you look back at pictures of Rupert? I did. And, and you're right. He yeah. has not aged as gracefully. Not saying he's ugly. No. I'd almost go that close. I'd really, or maybe it's just a very unattractive picture of him. Mm. Maybe it was like when you do a group photo and they had to go through and be like, well, Julia's got her eyes closed in this no. one. 
Cameron's picking her nose in this one. And they're like, well, the one where Rupert looks not great. Well, we got to go with it. <laughs> He's like, no, he, no, it's not even that picture. That picture, he looks better than all other pictures of him currently. Oh, really? Yeah, he does. He has not. It's some something is up. I would have to say. What was the last thing he was even in? I don't know. Right? My restaurant's wedding? Right? Exactly. So he's probably not had an easy life. <sighs> One of the things when you brought it up to me that I was just like, filled my soul with joy. Julia Roberts took like a bit of a break from acting. Mm-hmm. She was out of the limelight, I think for like 10 years or something. Yeah. I am so glad she's back. She's a total joy. Yeah. She has a new show out that I've heard is amazing. It's on Amazon Prime. I haven't oh, watched it yet, but I've heard it's good. She's doing this. I'm just... I'm just really glad Julia Roberts is back. What are you gonna pick? Topics. Can we talk? So, recently, David Matheson, a former conversion therapist, came out as gay. He is quoted as saying, It's horrifying to think that I was part of a system that held people like me down. First of all, it's horrifying to think of what you were just doing. I think this comes off a little sanctimonious. You didn't even imagine. Like, you, like right? you oh did it. It's hor- <laughs> it sounds like he's commenting on someone else's life, which I found slightly offensive. Mm-hmm. And I'm also just, the, sh- the lack of shock that the person who spent years putting forth conversion therapy comes out as gay is, at this point, yeah, no shit. That's where you got these ideas. That's where you were getting your passion from to make these people forcing them to be straight because you were just hating yourself the whole time. So fuck you. And I can't, I personally, I'm shocked that he's talking about it at this point. Wouldn't you walk away from your life's work and just try and live your own life? I can't tell like what it is that's making him do media appearances and to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Because if he's looking for forgiveness, like he's not going to find it with me. Like, I'm sorry, but if you've been called and he has been called, the intellectual godfather of gay cure therapy, the damage you've done is so much bigger than the love that you spread by coming out. Good for you for stepping away from that, but I have no forgiveness for you. No, none. Eat dirt and die, trash. Moving back to our lighter topics, Vancouver has been named the third best city to find love. So I'm going to go to the article here. You sent me the article. I didn't read it, so if there's anything you need to get me up to speed on, because I, I got opinions, but if your article... Will inform any of them and make me sound <laughs> less like a jackass. Oh, sorry. I misquoted the um, the headline. It's Vancouver ranked third best city in Canada to find love. Not shocking. It's because it's, is it the third most populated city? Don't quote me. I'm not sure, but I feel like that's I right. I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Globally, Vancouver is actually ranked the 29th best city to find love. Uh, and then, um, oh, interestingly enough, Miami took first place. Really? Yeah. So it's composed, the list was composed of 100 in-demand cities. So also, not even of like all these cute little towns that are in these rom-coms on the W Network. I was going to say, I'm sorry, in some sort of Midwest Bible Rust Belt, I bet (laughs) it's pretty easy to find love because people are looking for anything that'll stick it in them and just get along with. Oh, (laughs) according to the report, 49.62% of the city's population is single. When it comes to online dating, Vancouver received a high score, 9.2 out of 10, 
meaning that people are eager and looking for love. So not even that people are finding love, just that they're looking oh, for it. So oh, is it just oh. that so many of our single people are signed up online? Very different things. Very different. We are not a good... I'd almost say that's the opposite. Everyone's searching for love because they can't find it. Because people in Vancouver tend to be slightly flaky. Mm-hmm. We're not the most social city or friendly city. Nope. So yeah, I think just because a bunch of people are desperate and looking for love doesn't make it the best place to find it. Nope. Like all the colors of the rainbow, so are the gays of the week. So my gay of the week is a drag queen from Toronto, Brooklyn Heights, uh, has been announced as the first ever Canadian contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race. Ooh! Season 11 is premiering on February 28th, and she's the first Canadian! Which, honestly, I find Canadians in American game shows exciting, like, just to begin with. Mm-hmm. Because um, you kind of, like, grow up, you watch these shows, you want to be a part of them. Um, and I'm really excited to see, A, if I like her. I've never heard of her. I don't know her. Um, so I really hope that I am going to end up rooting for her. But I think it's a big deal. The Government of Canada Twitter feed mm. tweeted about her. No way. Yeah. And wow. promoting her involvement in the show. So I'm interested if they are going to make references to Canada on the show. If she is going to be like a proud Canadian or just kind of think, mm, I don't need to mention it, eh? Um, but I think it's cool they're getting on Canadians. I'm like, I'm a fan of a Canadian on Wheel of Fortune. So a Canadian <laughs> yeah, on right? Drag Race, I just think is so cool. I'm always so excited for Canadians to be in things. And I also just think it's really cool that, like, the government of Canada, even through just a Twitter feed, thought Drag Race was important and cool enough to promote one of our people who are on it. I really hope I don't have to watch a season of RuPaul's Drag Race with a contestant that I feel like I should identify and be close to and have to hate them. Mm. That's my fear. So we will see if that fear is born, but until then... Brooklyn Heights. Congratulations. My gay of the week is Brandy Carlisle, who um, last time I checked in, won three um, Grammy Awards tonight. Oh, she did. Um, February 10th. Yeah. Um, I think that's she was nominated for three and won all three, right? I think so. I yeah. believe that's right. Um, Brandy Carlisle is amazing. She is one of those artists who is so... Um, under what's the word uh, I always say what am I, what's the word I'm looking for without even telling you what the word I'm looking for is under the influence <laughs> like understated but like the other version of that where like we Overstated. understate her underestimated yes Brandy Carlisle <laughs> She's losing it right now. I just imagine that in the podcast. I was like, that's kind of funny, even though it makes me sound really stupid. It's okay. Uh, Brandy Carlisle is one of the most underestimated artists um, right now. Like, she has been around for years and only now has received her Grammy Awards. Her music is... It just... It's that music you have to sit with, and it fe- it literally feeds your soul. Like, you sit and you listen to it. Even if you put it on while you're doing something, you have to sit, because it's just so powerful. There's so much emotion and so much insight 
it's sometimes it's a little bit too heavy. Like you have you mm. have to like put it aside for a second and just like go take a breath. Oh, that sounds lovely though. It's really good. So I am so proud of her tonight, and I uh, I can't wait to see what comes for her in the next year or years. Maybe she'll be like Tracy Chapman, where she is so incredible and inspiring and someone that everyone wants to work with, but it's just like, whoa, that's too much. Like, that's kind of what I expect of Brandi Carlisle. But we'll see what happens. No, I'm excited. I'm I'm not going to say I've listened to her before, but I really want to now and I'm interested. Yeah. I climbed across the mountain tops. Swam all across the Well, that's the end of our homely selves tonight. <laughs> we have edged our way to the end. It's been pretty enjoyable once we got here. No, that doesn't sound fair. <laughs> <laughs> we had a great time the whole way through. Um, well, Jarrett, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. And if you, listener, want to thank us, you can like us on Instagram at Gay Best Friends Podcast. And make sure any comments or suggestions, email us at gaybestfriends at gmail.com. Which, by the way, we forgot. We never announced the winner of our microphone competition. Oh my god. Who's the winner? Phyllis Michaels. Phyllis Michaels! I want to thank um, a big shout out to a listener, Romeo, from Toronto, Ontario, who suggested Phyllis Michaels. He suggested it because we said it was phallic-shaped, and he thought Phyllis was a word close to phallus, and Michaels was a play on microphone, and he pictured an old lady with Werther's originals in her pocket. Which is my kind of old lady. A big shout out to our other finalist name, Rain, which was from Krista Lee in from Vancouver, BC, an avid listener. And her name was based on the blue light that Ashley mentioned, as well as the very iconic weather of our beautiful, gray, number three place to find love city. (laughs) In Canada. In Canada. Thank you, everyone who submitted names. Um, And uh, yeah, I've gotten quite comfortable with Phyllis. Phyllis Michaels is a great part of our team. And we will edge you all next week. See you soon. Bye. Bye!